Last Tuesday marked the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, which arguably is the single most important event in modern Western history. But aside from some Facebook memes and perhaps a few comments in the news, this anniversary passed with little fanfare, which disappoints me. Not because I care about recognizing anniversaries so much, but rather because we are not taking the time to reconcile ourselves to the impact the Reformation continues to have on our lives, spiritually, economically, and environmentally. I certainly agree with the idea that the medieval church needed reform, and that the corruptions and demands of submissions by the priests and bishops were absolutely abusive and corrosive to the spiritual journey into the sacred. And Luther's insistence that we do not need a priest to mediate between us and God was liberating and gave way to the spiritual worldview I now hold and treasure. The belief that each of us is responsible for our spiritual condition and that no institution manages my access to God is a worldview I cherish. Within this system, awe and encounter become deeply intimate and personal. But in the shift towards this unmediated relationship, something was lost as well. The Renaissance introduced us to the humanist values of agency and a morality governed by concepts of reason, and it elevated the position of the individual within this sacred matrix, both for good and bad. One step led to the next as it does on every journey, and we eventually arrived to our present-day liberal society. That is, a society defined by inviolable, inalienable rights. Today, the social contract we have with one another is grounded in the premise that each and every person possesses rights granted to them simply because they exist. We go so far as to call these rights self-evident. Philosopher John Rawls perhaps best articulated this social agreement in his book Theory of Justice, which views a society as good when it grants the greatest possible liberty to its members, limited only by the idea that the liberty of one person does not infringe on the liberty of another. That is, society is good when you are free to do what you want, provided you don't hurt someone else. And it is here, within the tension between what is good for the individual and what is good for society, that our political and even sacred discourse occurs. We are constantly arguing and fighting over what it means to have inviolable rights as a human being and what it means to hurt someone else. People have been very successful in arguing that abortion violates the rights of the unborn child. But nevertheless, we have legal abortion in this nation because the rights of the woman remain, for the moment anyway, primary. Her liberties would be violated were she not allowed to have control over her body. Now, there are all sorts of mitigating factors that impact such a complicated discussion, misogyny and patriarchy being two of the major ones. And in many respects, the question is still always framed within this modern liberal dynamic, that is, who is the individual who has inviolable rights, the woman or the fetus? But we might also try to ask another question. What is best for society? Is it better for society if the woman is able to decide what to do with her body? Or is it better for society to restrict her freedoms because society values the protection of the unborn child? How does this 
same perspective relate to contemporary environmentalism. Within the liberal political and legal framework where everything is reduced to the fundamental building block of the individual, we have included the idea of ownership among those inviolable rights. Someone cannot legally take your property simply because they are more powerful. The individual is granted by the social contract the right to call something theirs. They own it. But this gets complicated when we talk about resources that transcend easy boundaries. Nestle has been able to purchase water rights, which allow the company to use the water however it sees fit, just as I am able to. These are the liberties we grant. But what is best for society? Can the water or the oil or the forest or the oceans be owned? Should they be? Whose body is this? What about the internet? Should corporations be allowed to charge people more for faster access because they own the portals of access to the internet? Or is that something that is communally owned? Within Luther's Reforming Act, God is encountered in the personal relationship instead of the communal relationship. And salvation also becomes personal. My salvation is not dependent on your salvation. You being damned does not impact the prospect or the possibility of me being damned. But this is simply not true. We are not just individuals, even if our egos and actions are expressed this way. We are also a common life force. We all come from a common source and share a common destiny. We arise out of one another. Together we share in an experience called creation that is ever-evolving, ever-changing with the revelation of God occurring in every moment. I don't want to overextend and suggest that the medieval church taught this position exactly, but there was an understanding of identity fashioned within community. Understanding faith meant understanding it within a person's relationship to family and place. Today we are marked by rights and choice. If we don't like something, we deny its power over us, and we reject it, denounce it, refuse to recognize it. And there are some very healthy reasons for wanting to be able to do this. But what has been lost? Marcus Aurelius famously said, That which is not good for the beehive cannot be good for the bees. Sometimes this is rephrased as, What is good for the bee is good for the hive, which is not at all what Marcus Aurelius was saying, but not surprising, not a surprising reduction anyway, within the cultural dynamic that wants to put the individual first. Human beings are relational, not because of our behavior or our programming, but because we all share the same source. In our overvaluation of the individual, we have had to reject the commonality of our source. We have masked selfishness and even exploitation with the cry, these are my rights. They were given to me by God. And by splintering creation into tiny, owned fragments, we lost the ability to witness the whole. In this crisis moment, and on this historic anniversary, we are in need of another spiritual reformation. The beehive is in terrible shape, because we have chosen to live by the idea that whatever the bee wants to do, is what is most important, and that is simply not true. My salvation rests in your tender hands. 
and your salvation rests in mine. And until our many faiths commit to a common salvation, we are lost. Thank you for listening to this meditation. You can find a written version of it on my website at ianwhitemar.com meditations. And you can watch a video version of it by going to facebook.com slash loveisinthelonging. Every week I also host a spiritual discernment session online for those who have completed my course, What is Your Purpose?, to help you bring a sense of integrity to your spiritual life. Both the course and the online sessions are free, but you have to have completed the coursework to join the group. There's no cost, but you do have to put some work in. The spiritual journey isn't something we need to do on our own. We are meant to travel the path with partners. I hope you'll join me again next week.